0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Ralph Deschend and Christian Schnell. Ralph is the co-director of the Experimental and Clinical Research Center at the Max Delbruck Center for Molecular Science. Christian is lab head of in vivo pharmacology and oncology research at Novartis. They are here to discuss collecting a complete glucose profile via implantable telemetry. Let's jump in. Okay, Ralph, first question for you. It seems that most of your analysis was for a 24-hour period and then comparing those over time. Did you evaluate light-dark differences in more depth or do you think you will do so in the future?
1: That's a very valid point. Uh, We definitely will do um, the uh, day comparison and the night comparison, especially um, since pregnancy is a difference between uh, the two groups. uh, We will see if the differences match with activity or if, for example, blood sugar levels are different at day or at night due to altered activity and um, this is what we do at the moment
0: okay very good next question christian why do you take anesthetized blood glucose measures versus physically restrained blood glucose measures blood from the tail for, for example and i guess and if you did um this how do you think those results would compare to glucose via
2: telemetry that's a, it's a very good question. I, I have already addressed a part of it during my talk. So I think the, the reason why we use isofluent sublingual approach was that uh, we wanted, first of all, to have blood at even time and for, with 100% uh, success rate. And secondly, uh, we, wanted a certain volume of blood in order to be able to do all the PK analysis afterwards. Since I am using now the uh, DSI device and talking to the DSI folks, we discovered that basically it's quite easy just by having a needle uh, at the tip of the tail of a rat, even in the brown nowhere with a black tail, you could get uh, two to three drops of, of blood very uh, accurately. So we did that, and uh, this is a way also we are doing the calibration of, of our uh, transmitters. And uh, by using this approach, I think we could really see that the values we are, which we are measuring in these restrained rats, but without anesthesia, are around uh, four or six minimal per liter, which is exactly what we are seeing with, with the transmitter. So I think clearly the stress effect, even by restraining, will come, but much, much later with 10 to 15 minutes uh, delay. So the value you are going to, to measure on your tail, even with a ducom, meter is going to be really physiological so that's something which we learned
0: excellent that's a great answer very good g1 has asked what's what is the maximum glucose level that this implant uh, device can detect usually a glucometer can detect up to 600 scott i'm gonna uh, pass this one to you can you just comment on the range in which the uh, device will operate Certainly. We
3: have a YSI STAT 2300 in-house, and we, which goes up to 900 milligrams per deciliter, and we have shown that it can measure that high with accuracy and linearity. Beyond 900, I personally have tested it up to about 1100, but then you have to rely on calculations for the solution I made, et cetera. So I would say 900
2: reliably, probably higher, but we don't have a reference to compare against. Maybe I can just add in, I have a rat which went to levels around 750, and it was no problem to measure that with the device.
0: Perfect. I guess on the topic of performance of the device and, and, and also calibration, because a number of questions have come in about calibration, Can Christian, maybe you could start. What is your specific calibration approach? Like how many calibration steps are required when these implants are in the animal? Like what's the frequency and what can you share with the audience about uh, yeah. what you do in the lab?
2: I would propose to, to do first, the first calibration, as you know, is, is a glucose tolerance test. And I think what Ralph mentioned is valid. It's good to increase a little bit the concentration of glucose in order to get this dynamic range. Once this is done, what we do routinely in my lab is that we do two calibrations, a single point per week, mostly Tuesday and then on Friday. And uh, by doing so, we can really readjust uh, the possible drift, which uh, will occur over time in your sensor. And uh, we can have really nice, uh, stable data by doing this. So, and as I say, it's very simple. Just go on the tip of the tail. Uh, you take your measurement uh, with your and, and it, So it's very simple and, and, and it's very fast.
1: Perfect. Ralph, do you have any additional comments? Not much to add. We basically have the same approach where we had discussion with DSI, and this is exactly what they um, uh, asked us to do, and um, that we have uh, this glucose tolerance test and then two single calibrations. And we do it two times on Monday and Friday, we do it. So it's probably the same, similar to what Christian told. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, um,
0: just sorting through the long list of questions that have come in here. Christian, you mentioned that the use of isoflurane through some of your research, and some of our audience has asked about the effects of isoflurane on blood glucose measurements and levels. Can you comment on that? Uh, again, is this a concern when you're using the implant or when you're not, and how might one plan for effects, if there are any, when using that anesthetic?
2: I think the answer is quite straightforward and simple. If you use isophron to do your uh, measurement of glucose, you are going to measure stress levels. It's as simple as that. It's not physiological at all because, as I say, everything uh, which is pivotal for the physiology of, of any uh, living organism will be affected by isophron. I can tell you even if you take other anesthetics like uh, injection anesthesia, you will see exactly the same. I think we have seen that with blood pressure, with heart rate. Everything is more or less mixed by isoflurane. so uh, if you are interested in getting real uh, physiological data out of your animals please don't use isoflurane. if it's just to collect samples okay mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. be aware about the bias you are introducing by using isoflurane. okay
0: very good any additional comments
1: ralph or scott or is that
0: uh, does that cover it
1: yeah, None I think mean. Christian explained stated very nicely. I mean, it's similar to what we have observed with blood pressure, the, the problems with uh, isoflurane. if you take uh, blood pressure with tail cuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's perhaps even more pronounced with blood glucose when I look at the, uh, the values that Christian presented. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the implant itself. So I think, Scott, some of this might go to you. First of all, can the implant be turned on and off while it's in the animal? The answer is yes.
3: However, we do not recommend it. And the reason we don't recommend it is the way the glucose oxidase enzyme works. It is always functioning, whether the device is on or off. And when the device is on, we're actually, through the process of how it works, we're taking up some electrons that occur and and some hydrogen peroxide that's created. And if it's turned off, that builds up on the device and it can Mm. actually damage it and make it so your device will not last as long. So it can, but I definitely do not recommend it.
0: That's a great answer. Very good. Uh, Also again on the implant, uh, some of our uh, audience has asked about combined measurements with glucose. So we had a polling question of that nature at this point, how would one go about for instance measuring activity alongside with glucose or can that even be done at this stage the device is capable of measuring
3: glucose temperature and activity so all of those features are built in i'll be interested to see the poll from a cardiovascular perspective that is not possible with our current device but we have recently released a rat device for cardiovascular which is on a second frequency and that is being explored. The idea of putting two implants in an animal to collect them both simultaneously.
0: Okay, very good. Srini Jaraman has asked what I believe to be a very good question. I hope it is. Uh, How important for researchers in the field of diabetes glucose research is it to combine this telemetric type of technology with automated blood sampling instruments? So the combined technology will enable researchers not only to measure online blood glucose levels, but also biomarkers of drug levels simultaneously.
2: Christian, perhaps can you share your opinion on this? I can tell you very easily that's a must, and uh, we ha- we are in the process of ordering an automated blood sampler, and this is what we are going to do now. We are going to use a telemetry implanted rat with an automated blood sampler in order to access other biopotentials in the blood and the PK, because for the moment, we are restricted, as you would understand, to the day phase of the animals when we are working, but there is a big part which can happen during the active phase of our rats, which is our night, and I think that's something which is really going to open a in terms of chronobiology and maybe chronotherapy in the future. So I think that's, yes, that's a must.
0: Very good. Any additions, Ralph, just on that subject?
2: I think it's a
1: wonderful idea, but we have not much experience with it, so we have uh, only used automatic uh, um, system once or twice, but perhaps Scott um, is aware of people who have done this in combination.
0: Scott, any addition from you, or has Christian covered it in, in its entirety? Specific to the question, no.
1: It, it was very well handled.
0: Okay, wonderful. All right, let's go back just to both Christian and Ralph. Can you just share your experience with the surgery of dealing with this implant? How long should uh, users expect that this surgery in a rat would take? Are there any caveats or things that you would make them aware of to improve success rate?
2: Christian, perhaps you could start. Okay. But I, as I say, I think uh, for a trained person, for which b- b- use blood pressure uh, devices, it's very, it's it's a no-brain. It's very easy. If you start with this kind of surgery, I would highly recommend to practice with some dummies first in order to get the sense. Especially, I think, the pivotal part is when you do your hole in your artery and then insert the catheter. That's something which needs to be perfectly harmonized with your two hands. And I think here, clearly, a a microscope is helping a lot. And also, I think quite important, what I mentioned really dry up all the blood which you will have somewhere around your catheter in order to allow the perfect sealing using the vet bond glue. So I think these are the two pivotal parts. The rest is more or less, let's say, standard for for, for surgery procedures. Mm-hmm. But I think these are really the important ones.
0: Okay, excellent. Ralph, some additions, uh, surgical tips and tricks, what you experience in your lab as far as time and just in, in maximizing a success rate and survival rate of the animals.
1: Not really. I mean, we come from the same uh, angle as, as Christian tells. Um, we have long-time used the blood pressure telemetry, and we have uh, three technicians in the institute who do this as a core facility in the McTelvick Center. And uh, for all of them, it was not much of a change. Now we switch to the continuous glucose measurement, but we're now having the first guests who, who learn this technique here from us. Um, I think this is uh, the dummy approach. This is important but also to to perhaps um, go and visit a site uh, which has experience in it.
0: Very good, very good. Question for you, Scott. Could this sensor be placed in venous instead of arterial blood?
3: The answer is yes. However, we don't recommend it. The primary reason is that our experience with pressure catheters suggests that there's a higher incidence of thrombus formation or occlusion. So it will work. It just might not work as long. And that's not proven. That's just based on our our past experience.
0: Okay. And then actually continue on this, we've had another number of people just, they're curious about the application of this one implant as far as what size rats should it work, will it work in, any restrictions there, body weight. Could it also be used in slightly larger rodents or... Scott, maybe you could start with this. Is there like a stock answer from DSI as to how this implant can be used and which animals? Sure. The stock
3: answer is, I believe, 175 grams and larger. I will confirm that and we'll correct it in what we send out if that's incorrect. However, the design of this product actually uses a mouse-sized implant. In mice, it's commonly used 25, 30 gram mice and above. So honestly, if you have a rat, that's 100 grams or above, I would envision it not being a problem. Mm-hmm. But the formal answer is 175 and above.
0: Okay. I guess just from experience, Christian and Ralph, can you both comment? And Ralph, I think it would be interesting for you to comment about putting the implants in um, the, the, the pregnant rats and just any intricacies or things that you can rehash there. Ralph, perhaps you uh, can start.
1: Well, we did it before we did the making. So we we, we had to in in the, the non-pregnant phase, mm-hmm. but it, it should so be a problem. One comment to the uh, minimal weight, because what we are now doing, we are planning to do, use devices in the offspring, and there we had uh, also a couple of discussions, and we said uh, the, the, the offspring have to be about, about 150 grams before we start implanting them, mm-hmm. so something is 175. Very good, and Christian, anything to add?
2: I think we are following the same rules. I think most of the time we are using rats over 170 rats.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.